Welcome to Same Old City, an independent York City fans podcast. My name is Simon Kraft, and who's with me today? All you ever wanted, all you ever needed, is here on this podcast. It's Ben Aspinall. That's right. It's uh, it's it's back to just us two. There's no opposition fans on the pod as guests this week, uh, mostly because we burned our bridges with <laughs> Hartlepool fans last week with Ben's hateful speech. Hateful's a, hateful's a very strong word there, Simon. I would say vengeful. That's more accurate. Well, I have heard rumours that Sir John Askey piped it into the dressing room before the game to inspire the Hartlepool players. So in a way, you're to blame for what transpired. I mean, I'll take the hit on that, but do you know if um, those figures count as one listen on, as the whole for our, for our figures? Or was it like, you know, each individual squad member and staff member counts towards the uh, the totals? Do, do you know? Do, I mean, that's the ideas? important question, isn't it? But um, yeah. I'm assuming just as one. But, but yeah, no Hartlepool fans appearing. No Oxford City fans either. Because... Bit like Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was going to, you know, make a similar joke and say we did reach out to the Oxford fan base, but they were both busy this evening. So hey, hey, there it is. Yeah, there, um, that's the hit the whole fruit. <laughs> yeah. So the the two games we're going to look at today, two fairly contrasting games, the uh, mm. defeat against Hartlepool on Saturday, mm. and then the win against Oxford City on Tuesday night. Two performances, which night and day really. As in, like one was good, one was really bad. No, it's just one kicked off at three PM and one was an evening kickoff. So there's no oh. metaphor there. I was just oh, okay, fair enough. But let's start with the Hartlepool game, um, which we were both in attendance at. Yep. I took my daughter along, who I think I've mentioned before. Every game she's been to, York have lost. So hmm. actually, you can probably blame me for this one. I didn't really see because we were getting in we were getting our colouring books sorted you know all all the important stuff I didn't really see what kind of reception John Askey got did you did you pick up on that I can't say I did I think it was just a normal one I think um the actual well-adjusted and sane fan part of the fan base uh greeted John with the uh respect that he deserves for getting us promoted I think us um deranged and somewhat psychotic supporters who wanted to turn the L and the R into a cauldron of toxicity and hate, was still in the bar. So um, he got the reception that he rightfully deserves, not the one that I wanted to give him, which is fair enough. Let's look at the game itself. So in terms of how City... Uh, do we really want to do that? Oh, I suppose. We don't want to, we're... but we're contractually obliged, aren't we? The listeners need mm. us. Yeah, so... that's what they bloody well do. I'll tell you that much for free. <laughs> I've had to watch these highlights twice now. But yeah, to, to look at the City lineup. Uh, we had Sykes Kenworthy back in goal um, because Stockdale had been in there for the cup game. Uh, Paddy McLaughlin back, a left wing back, which uh, didn't go too well. Uh, Ollie Green was back in midfield. Kai Kennedy was back in the team. And new signing Will Davies was on the bench. Any strong feelings on, on the lineup? Only with the benefit of hindsight. I can't say that when the lineup was revealed an hour before kickoff that I had any strong objections to anyone who made their. Um, appearance on that team sheet so um, anything I do say um, is probably with the benefit of looking back on what happened I do think now it should have been more apparent at the time that um, a midfield three of Kennedy just behind the front two strikers backed up by Green and Woodyard probably is a little bit weak yeah let's look at what happened in the game itself I think right from the off really Hartlepool were sort of seeming quite a lot more up for it than we were mm-hmm. I think that would be fair to say um, they had a couple of early chances and managed to take the lead after just six minutes um, so it was Jake Hasty. I don't know if it's Hasty or Hasty. I'm going to go with Hasty because it allows me to make a joke in about 10 seconds but ball comes to him after it was being brought up from the defence first thing to note is that there's there's no pressure on their defenders bringing it out I think it's Kennedy in particular just sort of very lax in, in the pressing that he's doing um, and the ball finds its way to Hasty on the right wing, who is running at Paddy McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it's a little bit too hasty for our Paddy because he, yeah, he fully beats him for pace, cuts inside. Although you could say, where are the covering defenders at that point? Um, rather than just laying the blame on Paddy. But then it's just a simple finish into the bottom corner. No, you, you're exactly right there, Simon. And the biggest thing is we're all trying to placate and encourage uh, McLaughlin at left wing back due to the necessity of him playing there 
I think the reason we're playing the three at the back with him at wing back is to protect him, to you know, protect the weakness on the left hand side. But you're dead right. I've got the highlights in front of me. I've got it paused with um, Hasty cut inside. Paddy's left for, for dead. It is what it is. But yes, uh, you would presume on the left hand side, Smith would be that covering um, centre half, and he's unfortunately nowhere near enough close to uh, to the action. The covering centre halves um, are just not in the right position at that point. Maybe they weren't expecting McLaughlin to get done in such a way, but there are three of them, you know the three of them in total. At least one of them should be a little bit closer to uh, the makeshift uh, left wing back. Good finish by by Hasty as well. Um, I don't think um, he gives GSK too much of a chance. Um, I don't think he gets much of a handout either. Does he? He just kind of yeah, it goes past before he can really act. So all in all, um, pretty good finish. Speaking of Paddy, he has the next chance, I would say. Decent bit of work by Ollie Green, who is sort of bringing it forward, finds Kai Kennedy, who lays it off to Paddy, but he sort of blazes it over at the near post, really. It's it's not a brilliant finish, but yeah, that's possibly the best chance we had that half. Yeah, you're probably right. The issue of this is, at the time, my immediate reaction was frustration, anger at McLaughlin for going for the um, rather poor effort as opposed to trying to get back into the box. But with the benefit of hindsight and watching the highlights, if you look, the, the number of Hartlepool shirts that are in the box um, is incredible. The only real option available to McLaughlin was um, Kennedy, who's running in. So he probably was the option to take. He probably was the ball that should have been made. But to get to him would have been very, very difficult. So you can kind of understand McLaughlin feeling like he had to take that effort on. But unfortunately, the quality of the shot wasn't, wasn't good enough either. So... In that position, I probably would have done done the same. But you would have scored, wouldn't you? I'd have levered it and I'd have ran to that high pull end, giving it both cups of the ears, absolutely, possibly even the hand, uh, an unpleasant hand gesture that would have warranted a straight red. And uh, as I'm being led off the field uh, by two stewards, I would then um, say a very, very personal remark to John Askey. Where's your printer, John? <laughs> yeah, print that one out. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't even make sense, but yeah, unfortunately, it was it was John Askey who was celebrating fairly soon after. So on 15 minutes, Hartlepool made it two 0 Starts with a bit of interplay on the left from Hartlepool. Again, there's just real lack of intensity to our closing down. That we're just giving him yeah. too much time on the ball. Not sure which player it is who's who's got it out on the wing, but basically, Fallerfield has him and a guy on the overlap to worry about. We've got about seven players back in defence to their say maybe three attackers but they're not closing down properly no one's helping Fallfield out so he can't sort of commit and it's just a simple ball in field to Crawford on the edge of the area again not closed down quickly enough Woodyard sort of tries to put a tackle in but it's too late because Crawford hits a low shot that finds the back of the net so have you, have you got have you got a timestamp on that tackle attempt from Woodyard because I assure you looking at the highlights uh, Woodyard's nowhere near enough to the action um, to let that shot get away uh, when you're the defensive midfielder when you're supposed to be the shield um, is uh, very near criminal it's it's not good enough pressure from the midfield whatsoever and yeah, Woodyard was very very guilty very very guilty of this on Saturday I'm, I'm sad to say you're totally right about the build up um, the pressure's not good enough but when it comes in field you're right about the number of bodies but uh, Wood, uh, Woodyard's the closest one you should be doing much much better to get closer to get a better attempt and to block the shot, it's not good enough, I'm afraid. We just got absolutely shown up in this first half in particular. And the only reason you can think of it was that they just wanted it more. Yeah, they they were basically tearing our defence to shreds, a bit like a pack of North Macedonian dogs, would you say, with the York <laughs> City flag. That flag had one day left to retirement. <laughs> yeah, look that one up on Twitter if, you, uh, if you've not seen it. But um... It'd be really funny when you do. And the chances just kept coming. It was a corner uh, to Hartlepool that led to the next chance, which I think it's Crawford again who wins a header. And it's it's on target, but it's quite close to Sykes-Kenworthy, who manages to tip it onto the post. But again, mm-hmm. could easily have been 3-0 there. But yeah, you have to, you have to give good credit to, uh, to the goalkeeper. He's done well to react so well. But he's also been helped a little bit by the finish being a bit quick. Addy thought about it a little bit more. Puts the one of the sides, yeah, that's 3-0, even earlier than it actually was. Yeah, and another really good chance to make it 3-0 soon after that, and it's uh, Deza Rivway, who heads wide from across, from I think it's Cook, and 
yeah, he, he wasn't really marked. Um, probably should have got <laughs> it on target here, but it's just incredible how easy it looks for them cutting through our defence, watching it back. No, you're absolutely right. And um, yeah, he's he's their top scorer, is he not? And if not so, one yeah. of the top scorers in the league, I think Fallowfield switched off that little tiny bit, but the defence was clearly at six and seven. So when the ball goes out of play, you can see Woodyard turning and screaming. Yeah, well, Woodyard received his own punishment to the face uh, around that time because he, yeah, he mm. caught a ball full in the face, had to be taken off for Lati Fairweather just before half time. Um, Will Smith had already gone off injured for Scott Burgess, so we're already having to make changes. But yeah, we did get to the break at just 2-0 down. I think it could have been worse. My daughter had seen enough at that point. She decided she wanted to leave. So, um, yep, she went at half time, Not on her own. She's only five. I didn't just just let her go into the night at Vanguard. Uh, my wife was there to uh, hand her over <laughs> to outside the turnstiles. And you were dragged back in by the stewards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kicking and screaming, yeah. I think yeah. she had the right idea, really. But um, <laughs> but yeah, we used our third sub at half time as well to bring Will Davis on for his debut uh, in place of John Lewis. Right, I'm just going to say this now, Simon. So far in this recording, you've said Davies and Davis, and I'm not going to. I don't know which one's right, but you're going to, to pick, you're going to, need to pick a side and pick one soon. Just saying. Is it driving you snooker loopy? Because Steve Davis, isn't he? The... No, no, yeah, 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 yeah. It is Davies. Yeah. I think. Is it? Is it? Okay. It's got an e, okay. e here, but that's me that's written it, so it could be wrong. Not to dox myself, but my mum's a Davis and she's got an E in it. So how about that, how about that second half, eh? Well, yeah, let's get into the second half. I think the second half was less bad than the first half, but obviously that isn't saying very much. We actually started with a bit of intensity in the first five minutes. I thought Davies was, or Davis, you, you see, I'm second guessing uh, myself now. But whoever he is, yeah. he was looking quite I've energetic. I've got to you. I'm in your head. <laughs> like a cranberry song. <laughs> but yeah, in spite of that more energetic start, five minutes into the second half, we went 3-0 down. Um, and it's 35-year-old Nicky Featherston, I think, um, who gets the goal, who we had been strongly linked with in the summer. Yeah, apparently it was a done deal at one point. But, ah, uh, well, we'll see who has the last lap. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> No, this this goal's a this goal's a really good counter attack, isn't it? They'd seen a space that we'd left open, they exploited it. It's a frustrating one. It's but it's one of the goals we can't say fairer than that. I think of the three. Yeah, we were on the attack, um, and it's a bit of a loose pass from Dippo, gives the ball yeah. away. Um, you know that can happen. It's played out to uh, Cook on the left, who's in quite a bit of space. Mm -hmm. He brings it forward, pass it through to Featherston in the box, who finishes from close range. I think it goes through Sykes Kenworthy's legs. It does. Burgess could be a little bit tighter, but I suppose it's not really his experience being that, you know, midfielder coming back into the box to help defend. So a little bit of naive, naivety there. Um, we know Ferguson's a very, very experienced midfielder. It's sort of bread and butter for him. Yeah, a decent little cheeky finish. And that full uh, north stand and west stand section. Go snooker loopy. Sorry, we're still doing a snooker thing. I don't know. No, don't we've know. moved on from that. All oh, right, okay. It was a big break, wasn't it, on the counter by, by Hartley Pool? <laughs> yeah, it really was. <laughs> Not a bad effort by Hartley Pool. Oh, different sport though, isn't it? Uh, so Same venue. Helped to move up the table as well, didn't it? I'll have that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> anyway, they had a three goal cushion after this goal. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we doing snooker puns? It's because we're discussing Davis and Davies. Yeah, I think so. I think that was why. But yeah, going back to the goal itself, I think, you know, we're 2-0 down. We're trying to get men forward, push for the equaliser. Like you say, counter-attacking goals can happen. It's quite well executed. I think the only thing I would say is it seems a little bit too easy when it gets to Featherstone that he just sort of waltzes through our defence uh, mm. The ones that are in the box and just pokes it home. It's you know it's not maybe as good defending as it could be, but maybe that's been a little bit harsh. But yeah, at this point, any sort of optimism that we were going to come back into it's basically gone. I think they got the job done by fifty minutes, if not half time, didn't they? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we did have some chances after that. Uh, there was a decent one for Callum Howe when there was a low cross from Dippo found its way to Howe on the edge of the six-yard box, but his effort was just deflected wide. What I find it quite interesting, looking at the highlights, do you think 
Davis maybe gets in the way a little tiny bit. It's it's hard to gauge properly, but it does look like um, Howell's effort is you know it's decent enough. No, it, it's off the defender, isn't it? I think uh, Davis and a defender tumble into one another, and that action interferes with uh, with How- with Howell's effort through no real fault of uh, of Will Davis there. Unlucky. Maybe if um, Howell gets a stronger effort on that, you know, it's giving that defender no chance. But to get in that position. Fair play to to Callum. So yeah, can't say fairer than that. Hartlepool did still have a couple more chances. There was a decent block by Howe after there was like a heavy touch from Cordner when he tried to control it, almost let them in on the counter. Yeah, that was unfortunately a bit reminiscent of the Cordner of all, wasn't it? But um, if you write this one off as a bad day at the office for pretty much the entire starting eleven, bench, management team, boardroom, fans, and history of the club, then I can forgive Tyler for that. You know. Um, not going to pick it, you know, pick him out individually. It was, it was an error, but everyone was baking him on on Saturday afternoon, weren't they? Yeah, but Corner didn't make an error in the fourth minute of stoppage time because he got as a consolation goal. Um, so it's an in-swinging corner by Scott Burgess, headed in by Corner. Nice little goal, but basically meaningless at that point, wasn't it? No, I think you you got to take the positive from it. It was um, a really decent little finish. If you stat padding, um, it's nice to see another assist from um, Burgess, especially from a corner. Um, really decent header um, in front of a near empty south stand. I can't complain. I was one of those people that left early and missed this goal. So um, it is what it is. Uh, Please for Tyler to get that goal. And uh, no doubt that goal probably gave him the confidence to think about what he could do in the next match. Yeah, well, we'll come on to that soon. But first, let's take a look at the tweets we had in response to this game. So I did pose the question, was it our worst performance of the season? <clears throat> response here from Robin Bowes said, definitely the worst performance I've seen this season. Don't think it's on individuals though. There's something fundamentally wrong across the whole squad. And that's on the manager to sort out. It's his job to get the best out of the resources available to him. Uh, Luke and Hawes said, ball went sideways, then backwards too often. When it did, Cordner brought it back out, looked for a pass and no one moved. No one like a bad Sunday side. Then he got closed down and had to go long. They clearly got no idea how to play or move for each other, and that must change. Brownie90 said, So much to say, but I think everything is summed up by putting Paddy in at left-back against the fastest players. Tactics horrendous by Ardley. Players' attitudes sound from the post-match interview like they stink. Very reminiscent of the 2016-17 year. So let yeah, let's go on to that post-match interview because... That was um, quite a listen, I would say. Um, Ardley said he was embarrassed by the performance. Mm-hmm. I think he described it as disgusting, which <laughs> fairly strong words. Um, but yeah, basically saying that he was worried before games that players weren't going to run around unless he told them to, and that he felt you know they w- they weren't putting in the effort needed to you know back up what the club or the fans expected from them. Yeah, I mean. He's never beat around a bush with what he has to say. It's quite refreshing because previous managers have maybe held their tongue a little bit. And when they've given lashings um, to the players, they've also in part given, um, sometimes given a bit of a lashing to supporters for their attitude. Um, Ali's been a bit different because he's always backed the fans. He's always been very grateful to the numbers. As we could again mention, Simon, the bumper crowd for both sets of teams on Saturday. He's always been very thankful and very grateful for the numbers that follow York home and away. Um, he's never talked, he's never, you know, spoken down about us. He's always been very fair about the supporters, even when we've booed, when we've been not receptive to what's been served to us on the on the pitch. So for him to be so angry um, about the performance is, it's quite, it does get the fans on side, doesn't it? Because we know we're still in his good graces, and we know it's not fully his team. But the only thing I would say to that is, whilst the language is strong, we've all, we've been hearing this sort of, um, I don't want to say excuse, because Neil doesn't need to make excuses for the performances of certain players, but the reasons for why these performances have been uh, poor, and the inference that, oh, don't wait, no, next time we're going to sort this out. And you know, whilst we'll come to the Oxford City game, that, that is what happened. But he has been kind of making the same post-match interview a good few times a season. I'm not going to say it's wearing thin or anything like that, but it's starting to feel like, yeah, Neil, we we know all this, mate. You've you've said this to us. Um, it's kind of your job to 
not let this happen again. So um, always appreciate the venom that he directs to underperforming players. So I appreciate that he's not been naive and he's not treating us like suckers. But, um, you know, talk is cheap and um, we do uh, need to start seeing his players act like their speculated wages and their speculated transfer fees. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I sometimes find myself during a game or just after thinking, oh, I'm not sure if I hardly got that right or, you know, is he improving the team? And then when I listen to his interviews, sort of, it just sounds very reasonable. He identifies all the, the flaws in the club and basically mm-hmm. sees it as a lot of the fans do. And then I think, oh, yeah, he's right. It's the players' fault. But, yeah, you do have to start questioning at a certain point. Well, if the players aren't motivated, if they're not putting in an effort, it yeah. is part of the manager's job to motivate them isn't it and I think in fairness he recognized that in the pre-game interview for Oxford City you know after he'd had time to reflect on it he said you know we're all responsible you know we win as a team we lose as a team and sort of rode back Mm -hmm. a little bit on the sort of us and them side of it Um, but yeah it felt like a bit of a crisis point weirdly sort of reading City fans messages Mm -hmm. on social media and red and blue yeah, I'd agree, I'd agree with that completely, actually. That's a very fair interpretation. People who were being very stoic in their, you know, refusal to wet their knickers were actually starting to, uh, uh, you know, sh- shake at the knees a little bit. And I was very much of the opinion on Saturday evening in uh, one or two pubs around York that we were indeed mired in a relegation fight. Um, if you want to approach that topic again after we discuss Oxford, you know, be happy to. Um, but also a little bit of, you know, just sounds sound a little bit strange, but if I'd, be, I'd been regarding this podcast, it's a bloody good job we didn't record the episode on Sunday and like, you know, like as a special one-off regarding, you know, after such a, a poor performance. Because I think both of us would be perhaps a little bit more scathing, uh, scathing regarding certainly more individual performances. I think we've both been quite fair in our discussion points regarding the Hartley-Paul um, highlights. I think it was very poor. I personally believe it was the poorest performance of the season. Others may disagree. That's absolutely fine. I think it was the most disappointing based on the positives that had happened um, both in the cup game at home to Chester and also the game at Fylde when the tactics were spot on. And also um, the size of the game. Hartlepool bringing over 1,500 supporters. It felt like an old school you know, league fixture. Um, this should have been an inspiration to um, our our um, starting eleven. Like, look, we could be playing in, in front of crowds this big at home most weeks if we get through to League Two. I appreciate that's not going to happen right now uh, this season. You know, that's gone, but that's the aim. We know that's the aim, and these players should want to be a part of that. And there was no part of anyone's performance on Saturday afternoon that made me think they wanted to be. We know some of them are good enough. Maybe most of them are going to be part of that um, charge. It was just really, really disappointing. And now, in the cold light of day, after a subsequent positive performance, you don't want to, you don't want to just you know scribble off as a bad day at the office because I think that's naive and it could happen again. But um, right now, with uh, Mainhead on coming up this uh, this coming Saturday, there's a chance to um, really put uh, put the Hartley pull to bed. Yeah, I don't think I've got too much to add to that. So let's move on to to Tuesday night's game which was against Oxford City Mm -hmm. and yeah I guess City fans hoping we can bounce back quickly but a bit of trepidation after just the nature of the loss against Hartlepool I mean it is worth saying before the Hartlepool game we'd won our last two games we were unbeaten Mm -hmm. in four so for it to feel like a crisis all right sometimes fans can overreact to individual games suddenly the whole squad's terrible if you lose or or the whole squad's brilliant if you win but I think there was something that everyone recognised that was fundamentally really worrying about that Hartlepool game. So, yeah, we're looking for a reaction. Now, I think, unfortunately, you weren't able to make this one, where you, Ben? You were uh, poorly in bed. Is that right? But, yep, I can confirm that performance on Hartlepool put me in my sick bed. <laughs> but, yeah, unfortunately, I was unable to, uh, to watch the game. And a big pan, I wasn't able to watch it live in the stadium. So it was back on a stream. Uh, for your boy Aspinall. Oh, when, when, when the stream was working. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I understand there were some some issues with it. You didn't need the helicopter, did you? Because it was a, a Tuesday night. My stomach would not have been able to go to, to cope with with the journey. So I was very happy that it was uh, not behind the 3pm uh, blackout. I was able to watch um, on my uh, tablet in bed. Yeah, um, I did make it to the ground for this one. And 
Yeah, in terms of the lineup, there are a few changes. A couple of enforced ones. So Will Smith and I think Paddy McLaughlin were both out injured. Kai Kennedy and Lenel John Lewis dropped to the bench. And in came Lottie Fairweather at left back. Scott Burgess came back in in midfield. Uh, Maz Kuya with his first start in quite a while after a spell out with injury. And Will Davis for a full debut. Uh, it looked mm-hmm. like a four-four-two on the team sheet. I was, I'm always sceptical of <laughs> how the team's actually going to line up based on prior experience. But in the end, it was basically a four-four-two uh, with Dippo and Davis together up front. Not to bore everybody with tactic chat, Simon, but um, oh, please do. Obviously, <laughs> as somebody who wasn't able to watch the first half completely properly, um, as opposed to second, um, I've seen it uh, mentioned on um, social media and, and the forums. Would it be fair to interpret this particular version of the four four two as like um, some sort of quasi foil esque, you know, four four two? Not not no out and out wingers, but players like Burgess and Maz were kind of playing out wide, but were also you know cutting inside, manning that gap in between the front two and the middle two in midfield. Was that was that your interpretation of it as well? Because that's that's certainly how I viewed it. Yeah, sort of. I think. It was maybe a bit of a lopsided foreign midfield because Maz was playing a bit more as an actual winger than okay. Burgess was. Although obviously Maz does like to drift in field. He's not a traditional stick to the touchline kind of guy. Because yeah, we started pretty well. A lot more energy than there had been at the Hartlepool game. And didn't take us too long to actually take the lead. So this hmm. was, yeah, another early goal, but this time it went the right way. Tyler Cordner bringing the ball out from his own half was positioned in the south stand sort of nicely behind it and you could see him sort of cut inside one of their players and see him start, you know, there were the classic shouts of shoot, which you obviously hope he ignores <laughs> and you could see him shaping to shoot it and then, um, yeah, how would you describe what happened? Did you see this one on the stream? Now, we missed it live on the stream but we did catch yeah. the replay as the players were celebrating so yeah, I got to watch it uh, and you better believe I've seen it plenty of times on social media afterwards. Absolutely fair play to, to Tyler Cordner. You can kind of tell that like, he's got this in his locker, hasn't he? Because in the highlights, um, just before this this part of the uh, the clip, he sprays out a beautiful ball to uh, to Bert, to uh, Fallowfield, doesn't he, on the right wing? And then in the next clip, it's him marauding forward um, because of his um, because he's such a, a bigger lad. He does look. Um, quite imposing when he makes that movement forward, doesn't he? And um, it can kind of put a bit of panic amongst defensive midfielders and centre-halves themselves. He strikes it well enough. I can't quite tell if it's laces. It probably is laces, but he kind of gets his foot around it as opposed to through it. So it's it's kind of like maybe off the, the knuckle of the foot. It's very, very hard to tell. But it's sweet enough. It hits the post and in. And if I've got one complaint and one complaint only... It is that that I've only got this one camera angle to view the goal from. One from where you were in a south stand or behind it in a north stand would be lovely to uh, you know see the trajectory of the ball. But that's me being very, very picky about production values. The quality of the strike, sensational. Um, I'm delighted for Tyler. He's been getting better and better as the season goes on. You can tell he's playing more with a smile on his face and what a way to exemplify it. Now, I'd agree it is frustrating not to be able to see different angles to get the full sense mm-hmm. of the goal. And another slight frustration is that, much like Lati Fairweather's decent goal earlier in the season, it's in front of an empty north stand. Uh, yeah, which that's is, true. Yeah. But yeah, I think the thing I'd say about it is I, th- I thought he was actually maybe closer in watching mm. it live just because there's not much time between it leaving his foot and hitting the back of the net. So it must have been hit with a fair amount of power because he's at least 30 yards out watching it back. Fair play to him. Two goals in two, like you say. Definitely been one of our best players past few weeks. Looks fit and lean. Looks confident bringing the ball out. And yeah, this getting his just reward. And I think, not to jump ahead too much, but that will probably be the, the standout memory of this particular game. It was a good <laughs> win, but it wasn't necessarily a particularly memorable game. Um, but yeah, I think people will uh, will remember that one for a while. Mm-hmm. And it didn't take too long until we made it 2-0. Um, so again, it's Cordner involved. Great little chipped ball from him out to Fallowfield on the right wing. Then goes to Burgess after... Fallowfield's maybe a bit lucky to win it back after after he sort of initially loses it. And Burgess crossed to Davis and first time finish. 
it's not a particularly difficult chance but what i like about it is, is um how he finds that little bit of space in the box mm. that little gap between the defenders uh, which is about the only place he could be to have that chance i i agree with you there simon and just to add to that as well it's a striker's finish um it's not like it and it, it's going to give him confidence because it's not like a scuffed shot and goes in off his backside off the post as a defender's falling over it he has known what he wants to do with that that effort strong foot on it into the back of the net for your first you know for your first goal on your first start it's what the dots are ordered yeah fantastic start for the young man and a fantastic start to the game for city 2-0 up deservedly so and at that point it was sort of well obviously we've only won one league game at home all season so you don't want to be too confident but it did feel like a case of how many are we going to rack up um, I mean, Oxford City did have a couple of half chances, but nothing too worrying for Sykes Kenworthy. And our next big chance was a shot from Scott Burgess, who hit it just over after a counter attack. Um, I think I'd pick out Burgess as being quite impressive in this game, uh, particularly mm-hmm. some of his passing, some of his movement, his positivity. It's just sometimes, um, you know, the the final end product that's lacking a bit. He's yeah. had a few chances in recent games where he's found himself in a good position and, and not found the back of the net. But at the same time, like I say, he was uh, he was involved in quite a lot of the good stuff we did. Yeah. And that's what I mean. He wasn't quite playing as the on on the right wing and he probably wasn't playing as any sort of number 10. He was kind of floating the way, wasn't he? He was finding himself in, in those positions where he could get a, a good pass in, where he would get a decent shot away against a side that was at part-time and you know, been at work for the day. It's probably an exempt, you know, a good um, side to be able to get your confidence up against. And I'm um, pleased with Scott. He'd kind of gone quiet, quiet again a little bit after that, such that bright comeback in back into the team. We had another couple of decent chances as well. When um, there's some good work by Latty Fairweather, sort of bringing it into the area. Uh, ball found its way to Ollie Green, who had his shot parried by the keeper. Good, good height, good height for the keeper, isn't it? But what I'd like to say is um, we've been very positive about Green's contribution since he's come to the club, but he's hit that really sweetly, hasn't he? Through the laces, uh, keep it as well to get it away. It's probably good height, but um, yeah, that would have been lovely had that gone in for uh, for young Green. Yeah, I think one of the only criticisms I'd have of Green is that he sometimes seems a bit reluctant to shoot, even when he's in good areas. He's mm-hmm. very sort of useful in terms of um, his passing range, his close control, all the things you'd expect in a young player in a academy higher up the leagues but yeah mm-hmm. he doesn't necessarily you know look for goal that readily but he's clearly got a decent shot on him when he needs to mm-hmm. and then yeah sort of just afterwards in the same move um there's a cross finds its way to Maz at the far post whose header well I say his header goes just wide it was actually given as a corner so I don't know if uh Oxford play got the last touch but yeah we were sort of really having all the chances mm-hmm. at this point moving into the second half bit of a Sour note, I guess, is that uh, Dippo had to go off injured. Now, I could see he was moving a bit sheepishly for about five minutes before this. I don't know if that was obvious on the stream. Yeah, it's that bit when when Davis put him through on goal and he had to cut back a little bit and he got tackled. You could see he wasn't moving as comfortably as you want him to be. But I wasn't quite anticipating um, the manner in which, you know, he got injured. You know, he was, he was, he was chasing for that ball, wasn't he? And he's to, to, the, uh, to the line. And he realizes what's happened and he starts uh, limping off the field and it lets it go up for a throw. So then we think, oh no, does not look a good one, does it? No, the interesting thing was as well, as soon as we could see that he was, you know, he'd pulled up, his hamstring had gone, and then he tried to come back on the pitch. And mm. everyone around me was saying, why are we doing this? We're 2 0 up. Don't risk worsening this injury. He's clearly not quite right. Mm-hmm. Even if he thinks he can run it off, let's just do the sensible thing. And he got about 10 paces before he just collapsed again. So clearly, um, yeah, wasn't able to uh, wasn't able to continue. So he came off for John Lewis. We can only hope it's a short spell on the sidelines because him and Davies looked good together. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think as the second half went on, and we'll talk more about uh, Davies' um, contribution to the match as a whole, but without wishing to sound too, what have you done for me lately? If uh, Dippo has to spend a little bit of time on the sidelines, I think I saw enough from Lenny and enough from Davis to think we could be okay in the short term. 
But I would agree that a long-term strike partnership of Davis and Akinyemi is the one. Yeah, I think we probably miss Dippo less now that we've got Davies than we did beforehand. But still, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be nice to have both, wouldn't it? And particularly oh, for the board, yeah. for the cup game against Wigan, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, Davis is presumably cup tied. Uh, we, we really need to check the uh, this small print <laughs> on that, given recent events that we'll cover soon. Mm. Um, well, don't worry if he if he's if he's not available, then I'm sure we can just bring up Barnsley, and I'll be happy to take our call. <laughs> yeah, I think they've blocked our number now. But um, <laughs> but yeah, Dippo came off. Hopefully, like I say, it's uh, not a serious one, but. Didn't stop us sort of continuing to be the better team. Um, there was another chance for Davis where Fallowfield cut it back to him, but the shot was blocked. There was a Howe header on target from a corner, which was blocked by a defender. Don't want to go into too much detail on any of these because there's quite a few of them. <laughs> One I did want to mention is when Woodyard goes on a uh, mazy run, which mm. was very uh, un-Alex Woodyard. Um, I enjoyed that a lot, actually. Yeah, yeah you're just like, oh, he's just... He's just going to keep going. I was expecting him to hold his face, you know, with a nosebleed. <laughs> um, and then the ball breaks to John Lewis, and it's a yeah, it's not a great effort. He shoots. I say he shoots wide. It did actually go up for a throw in, I think. And it was <laughs> he was wasn't that far out, and Will Davis was free in the middle. So yeah, I mean, maybe there was something promising in in their link up play, but didn't quite uh, work for Lenny on that occasion. Mm. Yeah. Unlucky with the overhead kick effort, though I thought that could have been lovely. And then another chance where we really should have, <laughs> <laughs> we really should have had a third, where Scott Burgess is played in by Ollie Green, and he's got all the time in the world, really, hasn't he? Yeah. And yeah, just blasts it into the side netting, and yeah, just sort of another example of when maybe his end product is the one bit that's that's lacking. I think um, it's we've kind of treated it in a in a comical manner uh, the number of chances that we had in the second half and. I think hopefully people can agree with us when we say it's actually very disappointing that we didn't bag that third and that fourth because we've had the 1-3-0 win at home this season, haven't we? To get uh, a nice big heavy win with a clean sheet, regardless of the status of the opposition, when you've had what happened to us um, against Hartlepool, whilst it is a good reaction that we've put on, it maybe could have been that little bit more emphatic and a little bit stronger just to really get that message out and to really you know hammer it home. However, I am not going to sniff a 2-0 uh, victory. But yeah, let's look at our tweets in response to this game. Quite different in tone to the Hartlepool ones. One from J286, which says, Filed again, but even more comfortable. Reaction to the corridor strike in the south stand was a joy to behold. No one quite believed in what they'd just seen. Davies absolutely immense. Kuya also brilliant. Uh, Will Harris said, Davies is the absolute boy. Strong, <laughs> decent touch. Prepared to go in against meathead centre-backs. Aggressive. Backs himself to take shots on. More of this, please. Cordner's goal, the icing on an excellent personal display from him. Your centre-half could never. <laughs> and Matthew Clegg said, Whatever rocket Ardley fired up them on Monday certainly worked. The only disappointment was the amount of chances missed. Davies was outstanding and ran himself into the ground. I reckon he'll turn into a more important player for us than Dippo. Which... It's quite a bold shout, but yeah, a lot of praise for Davies. I think the the thing I liked about him most was just how he never stopped running and sort of chasing every lost cause. He's clearly someone who, you know, that's a that's a big part of his game. I agree in terms of it was lovely in the second half how he was dropping deep to get the ball, wasn't it? He wanted to uh make things happen. He wanted to make things happen as well as well as being on the end of them. He was so busy and he was so positive everything he did. He wasn't afraid to shout at players. The aforementioned John Lewis efforts to, to the corner flag. Davis was um, incensed that he didn't get the cross in for the tap-in. So he's already part of the furniture. A fantastic first um, start for the young if younger man. So let's take a look at other news that's happening in the wonderful world of York City. Now, I don't know about you, Ben, but I was on the edge of my seat Monday afternoon waiting for that FA Trophy third round draw. I was on the edge of my seat uh, probably on Monday afternoon, but for completely different reasons. Anything you want to share? No, you don't need to know what I was doing. It was sickness related. <laughs> okay. Um, but yes, we have been drawn away at Nantwich Town. Um, any thoughts on this on this tie, Ben? Yes. Um, 
as somebody who went to Manchester Metropolitan University, I distinctly recall them having a campus at Cruent Nantwich. And yeah, that's it. Okay, well, look forward to more uh, interesting content <laughs> about that game when it comes up in December. Other news in terms of a player who has left the club but is still uh, <laughs> making waves in the FA Cup, Aidan Marsh has uh, seemingly got Barnsley thrown out of the FA Cup. So yeah, yeah they've been they've been kicked out because an ineligible player featured in their replay win over Horsham. Yeah, some people have done the sums and figured out it's probably our Jody himself. Yes, uh, from the from the grave it seems. It it appears that um Barnsley recalled Jody after the Chester tie uh, took place. Well, the, the first game. So that would have rendered him ineligible to play in Barnsley's replay win at Horsham. Where luckily he didn't contribute too much, just I think it was two assists. Other than that, you know, didn't really do much. So I do feel sorry for him. I bet he feels wretched about this. We're going to make plenty of jokes about it as a fan base. Horsham are delighted. From what I've seen on social media, Bansley fans are furious, not at him, but at the club's, um, you know, admin department. But I didn't know if a player returned after the first game, but in time for a replay, he was ineligible. But then again, I don't run a football club yet. So I sympathise somewhat. But uh, at the same time, uh, it is hysterical that we can add Barnsley to um, Chester and Niedermarket as the clubs we've knocked out the FA Cup. Be wary, Wigan. Be very, very wary. Yeah, we can knock out teams we're not even playing. That's how good <laughs> we are. Um, and the other news we wanted to cover was that the uh, majority owners of the club, Matt and Julianne Uglet, uh, made a presentation stating their case for wanting to increase their stake to 75%. Now, I've only sort of briefly caught up with this uh watched a bit of it not the full thing but i think ben you you've um sat and watched the full presentation and q a is that right yeah that's absolutely right si um i watched um the full presentation um available on youtube for us as a fan base to watch there are um easy to find uh spark notes regarding what was said um on twitter and on uh forums I'm sure everybody's either seen the presentation or read notes, so you know we don't need to go for, over everything. But I guess there's two different ways of interpreting this because you've only really read the notes; you've kind of not seen um, how they were presented. Uh, Julianne um, really does come across as a uh, as a breath of fresh air. She speaks very well. She speaks uh, very candidly and very honestly. Um, she's not afraid to say when she doesn't know something, uh, and she explains uh, why she's. There's a knowledge gap there and she apologises and she also explains how she's going to remedy that. So, for example, there was an issue regarding the um, club shop not being open on Saturday. She apologised for not being aware and she outlined how she was going to fix that. So that was a sort of honesty and proactive nature that, um, you know, you can just really just appreciate after the um, laissez-faire um, attitude of, what, the last two regimes, if not three, four? Any chairman that I've known since I've been a New York City supporter, let's play for safety and go that way. She came across uh, really well. Uh, the points made, um, I think the big ones we can all um, agree on, uh, that, are, that is that the the 394 have invested so far 2.5 million, and they're very, very keen to stress it's an investment, it's not a loan. They outline specifically you know, what that's been spent on, the rebuilding of the training ground, the playing budget, just the coaching budget, and also um, the um, transfer of shares from the previous owner, Glenn Henderson, to to them. Uh, other interesting bits I thought were the aspect of the, the stadium. I think you could tell there was a, a real desire to work with the current situation, but there was also a frustration of, with, with it. And a lot of us supporters can um, empathise with that, can't we? We really want this... Um, agreement between the different parties and stakeholders to work but it is becoming very frustrating as a football club obviously the Ugla family are at the mercy of how the council wish to run uh the, the leisure center as a, as a whole and i can imagine that these uh, wonderful ideas that they've got that they've caught you know they want to implement can't be implemented as easy as they want to be and that would be a real big frustration and also the other issue close to my heart the lack of a supporters bar uh, obviously, the confessional site has been taken over by, um, I believe it's a, some sort of tea shop. Yeah, Mama Doreen's. And were they 
on record as saying that they want them to fail. <laughs> I read that. I mean, I don't like to see people being put out of work, um, especially in the current climate. You know, we're all struggling to put food on the table. But um, yeah, I can wholeheartedly get behind the Oogler declaration that um, I hope that tea, fa- pa- uh, tea shop goes completely under. Right. So we start in the official boycott. I will only be drinking Yorkshire tea from now on. Good news that there's potential plans to open another club shop in town, though, given the... Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. ...fairly puny size of the of the current one. So, yeah, that was that was nice to hear. And also some of the detail around, yeah, rebuilding the training ground, investing in facilities on that side of things. Yeah. All sounded like promising plans. Uh, I mean, do we think there's any doubts about this getting voted through? Or I mean, it should be voted through rather um, easily. Um, I don't know about you, Sai, if, if, if you want to be talking about voting intentions or anything like that. I don't know how you want to approach this subject, but I would be very, very surprised if this is not voted through at a canter. I could perhaps understand some people's apprehension, not through any fault of the Uber family, but because um, four times Burton, you know, once shy. How many times have we uh, kind of fallen for uh, plans of grandeur, you know? However, from the manner in which uh, Julianne and Matt both spoke uh, in that presentation, but also how they present themselves at pretty much most points during their ownership. They've said the right things. They've absolutely put their money where their mouth is. I really don't see the drawback in, in not um, allowing for the extra 24% to, to go to 394 Especially when, you've, when Julianne mentions that this would allow for um, outside or external investment to come in. And when that opens, uh, you know, the club up to other areas of expertise, then you know, I, I think that the, the future is looking bright. And uh, yeah, I think um, this will go through quite easily. And they're going to build us a monorail, I think. So <laughs> not until we burst into song. No, I think we are an independent podcast, as we say in the in the interest. So I don't think we should declare voting intentions um, mm-hmm. or you know sway people one way or the other, but I think you're right that I expect this to get voted through. I, for one, welcome uh, our new uh, new uh, Oogla overlords. Um, and finally, let's let's look ahead to our next game, which is away at Maidenhead United. Um, now, Ben, I believe you are mad enough to be making the journey down for this one. Is that right? If only to go see the constituency of the former Prime Minister, Theresa May. Yes, uh, my wife and I are going to spend the weekend in London going to see some family on a Sunday and it's just a massive coincidence that uh, I'm just going to take a slight detour about 1pm on the Saturday to Paddington to get across to uh, Maidenhead. Uh, didn't go uh, last season and this will be my uh, maiden voyage oh. to, uh, to to Maidenhead. I've heard that there's a craft beer bar near the stadium. I am very much uh, quids in. Nice. Well, Let's hope that um, City's defence continues to be strong and stable in in Theresa's constituency and um, that we can bring over... Very good. Very good. Does she have any other catchphrases? Fields of wheat. Oh, yeah. Our our attackers will be running through fields of wheat in celebration. Yeah, that's that's good. That's very, very good. As we put the the third goal in. Um, No, hard to know what to make or hard to know what to expect from this one given the mm. contrasted nature of our last two performances. Now, I've Great. neglected to ask for your official Ben Aspinall prediction <laughs> for the last couple of games, which is uh, which is an oversight from me. So can I get that locked in this time? You can. Before I do so, very quickly, you're right to uh, to say it's going to be a difficult, difficult one to call, not just based on us, but also based on Maidenhead. Uh, they've got mixed form like us. And oh, I yeah, we probably got... should talk about them, shouldn't we? Eh, don't feel like we have to. They've got... Um, mixed form like us they're pretty decent at home they're just i think it's at one point above us in the table much like the oxford city game in midweek you're looking at sort of fixture and thinking you know we really want to be winning this actually it's probably more similar to the filed game isn't it you know a team right down there with us let's beat them at their own ground and you know let's um really let the other teams around us know what we're all about in terms of their actual recent form they've won three and drawn one out of the last four league games so mm-hmm. they're definitely on a decent run, um, but yeah, only one point ahead of us. So, what are you expecting from this one? Yep, uh, heart says two-one win. I think the head says um, 
the uh, York City special, a Vicar in a 2-2. Hopefully we can do what we did last season, which was, of course, win 1-0. It was back in August. Can you remember who scored? It was uh, your best friend of mine, Maxine Coogan. Well remembered. Um, but yeah, we will be back with you next week. All being well to uh, give our report from the ground in Maidenhead and also look forward to the exciting televised game with Wigan Athletic uh, in the FA Cup. But yeah, let's hope that we get the three points at Maidenhead, that Davies is there right on cue, that we get the maximum three points, uh, because we don't want to leave ourselves needing snookers to to get out of the relegation zone, do we? Oh, Simon, that's terrible. Ah, well, let me see if I can think of... Oh, 180! (laughs) Thanks, as always, for listening. And if you do want to follow us on the old social media... Why don't you check us out on X slash Twitter at Same Old City Pod, on Instagram at Same Old City Pod, or if you want to send us some dogs abuse and perhaps uh, threaten our families, you can do so with our email address, which is Same Old City 1922 at gmail.com. We're always looking for five star reviews on um, Apple Podcasts or wherever you uh, rate your podcasts. Any sort of inside jokes possibly um review could be by an obscure ex-city player for, for maximum value that would be greatly appreciated but we do always appreciate your kind words regarding the podcast so um thank you for those that keep coming in we both do genuinely greatly appreciate it oh yeah absolutely the fact that uh, 15 episodes in people are still putting up with and in some cases cheering on our terrible puns <laughs> there was an incredible number of people who tuned in uh, for the Hartlepool uh, preview on uh, Friday, even if it was a slightly later upload than what we tried to do, uh, we're really, really grateful for the numbers that you know do tune in. So uh, you know, thank you guys for doing it. But yes, as ever, keep the faith. It's only a game, so put up a real good fight. I'm gonna be snickering you tonight.